We are 138. No, don't do that. Would you? All right. All right. Wait, that would make you psycho Billy. Uh, for, no. Okay. So here's a little thing that women have been saying about me and that I okay. heard from a little birdie. Can we, by the way, make this a recurring bit? What? Here's the things that women have been saying about this race. This is a real thing. Oh, okay. No, don't try to deflect from this. This is a real thing Wait. that real women, you, have been saying about me. Me? Yes. A little birdie told me that you, during the other day when I was at therapy and you were at my neighbor's house. <laughs> what did I say to her? That you. Or him or them. You and her, although I'm not even sure I should refer to either of you as human beings. We're like, agreed that I'm rockabilly. <laughs> I don't think that is. No, 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 no. How would you take that? This is what I think, Bruce. I think you could benefit from a little rockabilly in your style. <laughs> oh, you think I'm not rockabilly enough? <laughs> Wait, so you agree you're rockabilly? No. So, I think there's a dearth of rockabilly that you would like to see filled no, with okay, rockabilly. Can I tell you how we got there? Yeah, tell me. We were tell talking. me the tell me the winding road that you took to get no, there. No, because we were look. It was like an outfit thing. It was like okay, I can see you with like maybe a looser pant that's a little cropped. With oh, what is that? That kind of like fifties style camp collar. What shirt. the fuck is a camp collar? <laughs> My man here knows. He laughing. Like Kramer. Like, I don't know what shirt he wears. The big but 70s saying, colors. I can see that. And you got the glasses and you got the hair. The like, glasses? Not, it's not a rockabilly like Zoot Suit Riot, though I will defend that vibe. But like, I could see you with the little Elvis swagger is what I'm saying. You think that I, you could see me with Elvis swagger? Look, I don't think you should be saying or acknowledging any of this. I'm just saying I could see the vibe and I would rock with it. I can't believe she just blew up my spot like that. She blew up, she blew the shit out of your spot what like else that. What did she tell you? She said, she also was like, that's crazy that uh, you and her got together with a lot more women and were like, Brace is handsome. Because <laughs> uh, well, I'm like, that's like yeah, not, that's not cool at not all. Not how I think of myself. I'm very humble. <laughs> Well, I'm Liz. My name. <laughs> my, <laughs> what are you trying to do? My name is. <laughs> oh, I get it. C. Hain Wallet. Get it? What? No. C. Period. A wallet chain. Well, that's the opposite order mm. of the words. I feel like you could see a like essence. Like, there's definitely like a Jacquemus essence wallet chain on sale right now. A what? There we go. <laughs> And of course, See, my we're joined. Man laughing because he know we're joined by producer Young Chomsky, and we're here at Stunt Sun Studios. <laughs> now, <laughs> what we've we've got to get you know fucking. I think you you rock with some twang. What the fuck did you? Just, I rock with some twang. <laughs> you do. You fucking wear Western boots. You just bought new Western boots. I was to replace my old. They're not Western boots. <laughs> They're regular boots with a bit of Western flair <laughs> on them. They're cowboy boots. Yeah, yeah. 
You're you know the what? Dark cowboy. It's crazy. It's crazy that I ha- I wear the cowboy boots, yet I'm the one being ridden here. Oh, ridden Ew. ragged. <laughs> Ew. Now, oh, uh, you thought a nag was the kind of horse that we have on the farm? Turns out it's actually the thing that my co-host does to me. Oh man. Um, I, like I got a couple any things. Of this. To, I got a couple things to say about you, Liz. Yeah. I think that your Watch yourself. What what things do women dress like? Um, you uh, you're uh, a Karen. And I'm trying to think what shine? I'm more conf- I'm more concerned that you don't know what year you, it is. You look like you dress from Zara. That's so mean. Uh huh. And guess what else? I don't dress like. Guess that. what else? Uh, did you buy that outfit in the fucking city? Because you look like you came from Urban Outfitters. See, here's the thing. Now you're being mean when I was actually trying to pay you a compliment. You're saying you're. Those are all good things. Like he know what I'm saying. They were all good things that I was saying. They were all like very positive, like compliments about you. Yeah. The men that I do the podcast with that I genuinely really like. And you're here turning back on me. Now you're just like saying mean things to me, saying that I'm like some fast fashion, like dumbass bitch who goes to like fucking shine. First of all, never, ever bought anything off of that fucking like, I don't know what, like child slave ship, like horrible store. Uh Uh-huh. And you're just like being mean to me and saying mean things. I don't don't even know how you say it. She she and them clothes from there. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Um... You know Jerry Lee Lewis killed three people. Wait, yes, I did know that. That isn't that insane. The killer. Wait, why did you just pivot? He's rockabilly. Uh, Liz, how about this? Let's record. You know what? I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm sorry. I genuinely did not really understand what any of the words I was saying meant. I thought you were being mean to me because to did me, you really? rockabilly guys no. are like. No, listen, but you I, I used to do a lot of things. math. It's all different now. It's remember when we saw Kaya Gerber on the street? She was check this out, man. You ever heard of this chick? Yeah. We're walking down the fucking street, me and Liz, and I do full on kind of rockabilly wolf eyes. Dude, you went like oh woo god. There was steam coming out your ears. The tongue was on the ground. I had to like pick it up and throw it over your shoulder. I was very vis- much like a continental soldier. Yeah, I was I was my 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 nipples must have I mean it was like three inches. Um <laughs> And I'm like, by the way, you. And what was the cutest thing ever is you. I immediately, obviously, I spot a model. Like, I mean, I see that shit coming mile away. You think you spot a model quicker I, than me? Okay. Me, Liz, number one modelizer. Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, maybe. This cutie pie next to me turns to me and he goes, "That was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen." And I was like, "That is literally Cindy Crawford's daughter." Which is crazy because Cindy Crawford is one of the few people whose name I can remember when I'm trying yeah, to think of a she's hot a chick. Supermodel. All of my references for like beautiful women are from when I was a child, and so now I'm like, yeah. There's. Do you talk to your therapist about that? What should I say? Just oh. what you told me. I think she could take it from there. You know, I'm not. She doesn't need to. She didn't need to learn those things. We she should was get with, to the. No, check this out. She was with Elvis. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to. I was trying to get at. I could have fucked that dude up in a heartbeat if I could win her heart. You could out rockabilly. Maybe you could do dance off. Well, here's the thing. If you beat up a girl's boyfriend, you should get to be her boyfriend. Yeah. That's 
seems indisputable to me. Even if you're not that strong and maybe mm. you have like a, you're of slight build, but if you pack of technically it's a five shooter and you take him out, you get to be her I husband. I don't think that that is good Let's at all. Let's talk about the interview. I don't think we should talk about it. I think we should just get right into it. Let's uh, turn on that record there, Mr. DJ Man. Go on down to the Tupelo of the podcast. Hello, my name is Microchip. So nice of you to join me here, my cybernetic... Oh, where do microchips live? Computer. <laughs> Gaming consoles. It's well, that's you know. Also fridges now and light bulbs. Yes, and Kindle e-readers connected to your Amazon Prime account. What's that? Did you just make a purchase of a book? Ding. Ding. <laughs> so stupid. Ding. Downloading. Yes. I believe you have Douglas Rushkoff's book. In fact, Douglas Rushkoff himself has been downloaded <laughs> into your Kindle Fire Amazon e-reader that you're displaying on your Rico. What is it? Rico TV? Roku. What? Roku. Roku. <laughs> We're on the Roku right now. And in fact, Douglas Wait, Rushkoff. Wait, no, but Amazon has its own TV thing. The Amazon Roku Fire, Fire Stick. Fire, Fire Stick. What the fuck kind of name is <laughs> You're joking. Fire stick? Dude, yeah. everything Amazon is dick. So fire stick plus the, the logo looks like a dick. Mm-hmm. The dongle? That's not them. That's but not them. There's probably, everything, you can buy I'm them on you, Amazon. Fucking Bezos has got a, a thing about that. Well, let me, the computer, finish introducing our <laughs> guest. And I have a full list of your books, which I'm going to read. I, Douglas has written 7,000, the Library of Ptolemy? That's a, that was in history, right? That was, and Alexander. Uh, do not hold a candle to this man who has written a book about basically every part of a microchip. We've got. <laughs> I'm just kidding, not going to read them all. Including the human. Yeah. All right. Siberia, Life in the Trenches, where he invented raving. The Gen X Reader, where he invented Generation X. <laughs> Media. Virus. Where he invented virality. At least I did invent that. Okay, all right, that one is not a lie. And we are here. Are we allowed to say the name of the new book? Please. Lots of times. Okay, well, you know what? Why don't you say it? Survival of the Richest, Escape Fantasies of the Tech Billionaires. He is also a soon-to-be... Do you have tenure? Yeah. Okay, never mind. He will not be a fired professor after this interview. (laughs) Uh, And also a former member of Psychic TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Which blew my shit out. yeah. Hearing Big that. fans of Psychic TV. Oh, good. Yeah. Great, fantastic. Blew my shit out, too. Yeah. I mean, great yeah. band. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, to our <laughs> listeners, if you don't know who Psychic T- TV is, like, first of all. You're out of your mind. Turn the podcast off. Godstar? Yeah, you got some work to do. Get out of here. One you of the greatest learn how to hits. Be cool. Yeah. Don't listen to podcasts. Listen well, to a damn rock and roll. Us, well, maybe afterwards. Listen after, to a damn rock after and roll the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Here we go. Oh, now I have to ask the first question. Douglas, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad to be here. I'm super fan. I'm a super fan. You, you, you two were the the 
not even the background, the foreground as I was writing this book. Oh my God. It really That's- was. Cause I've always written these, you know, all you, yes, I wrote like 20 books, but they're all kind of polemics like, Oh, this is the problem with this. And here's why, and here's yeah. the theory behind it. And here's the history. And listening to you, I realized, no, no, no. I want to tell stories about these actual people. And rather than being so friggin' serious about it, this is actually funny. This is absurd. It's yeah. just very People absurd. Are absurd. And it helped. It's so healing. It's so healing for me <laughs> to, to be able to laugh at Epstein and Bezos and, and Teal and, and these guys because it's, it's not just monstrous. It's also just pathetic. Yes. It's- yeah. I mean, and the book is chalk, which I've read, is chock full of stories. I mean, just incredible stories. You have been around these guys. And by the way, we're talking about. You know, like you said, Bezos, Teal, Sergey Brin, like the big movers and shakers of I don't know what, like Silicon Valley. I mean, the names you know, that, Steve yeah. Pinker, another yeah, just, a, a guy who makes a, a lot of appearances in the book. Yeah, and, and Dawkins, and I mean these guys, and it's so it's so weird because you know I wrote these books and I started doing this talk about the the time I met these. Um, I thought I was doing a talk for uh, uh, these bankers and it turned out to be these five billionaires mm-hmm. who came into the green room and wanted to know basically you know where to put their bunkers for the apocalypse and yeah I'm like, why are you guys talking to a marxist media theorist about where to put your freaking bunkers like, I'm why, gonna why? 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 why because i was right about various futuristic yeah. things or right about the net or right about viral media yeah, or yeah. right about this crash so but they that's thought not- that you could tell them like where exactly in new zealand they should build their right. like you know under water year or yeah. whatever they're doing. Well, and the big question was, which is the, the, the most uh, uh, insane, the most sociopathic one was, how do we maintain control of our security force after the event? Right, because their money's going to be worthless. So yeah. what do they do? And they're yeah. like, do we do shock collars, do special combinations on the safe? I mean, these they're, they're so, such like uber simplistic walking dead Yes, plots. Ones that wouldn't even make it on the ninth season of Walking Dead, they're, they're that bad. And I'm, I'm, you know, the little sarcastic Jew. I'm like, well, if you want your head of security to take care of you in the apocalypse, maybe pay for his daughter's bat mitzvah today. Yes. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I think laugh me out of the room, but, but they were, it was, it was, that was what set me on the journey to do yeah. this. Both, both I realized people respond to the story so much more than the ideas. When I tell that story, they're like, oh, tell me more. Where else did you see them? Where else? It's like, well, it was Well, just, where are they going? So I can go right. there too. I mean, oh, yeah, really. People. I know. Well, there's a lot of that email that came after that too. And, and the most email was from people who were like building bunkers. It's like, oh, can you introduce me? I've got the, I've got the right bunker for those yes. billionaires. I've got a farm. I've oh, got they're, a, oh, they're trying to use you as a middleman to connect yeah, to the bunkers. To, to upsell. I'll give you a cut. So, I mean, I, that, that's, so that's, I mean- that's really the most, I think, famous sort of instance. Elon going to, wanted to go to Mars and, and to a lesser extent yeah. Bezos to space. But it's the New Zealand bunker mm. uh, community, let's say, that I think has really made the most news in the past five or six years, right? Yeah. Because I think it coalesces with a, a number of things. One is psychotic, is almost like cartoonishly evil, you know, usually tech billionaires. And two, also like the the generalized fear that people have about climate change and and, you know, also, you know, War, secondary to that, exactly, that. plague, you know, sure. I, mean, I guess that's the kind of same thing as pestilence. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, my, my question is, these people actually think that, like, they will do this. I mean, there's, con- there's actual construction of bunkers down there. Yeah, well, they've, they've lived a life of believing they can outrun the effects of the things that they've done. 
You know, they're trying, they're trying to earn enough money and build mm. enough technology to insulate themselves from the reality they're creating by earning money and building technology that yes. way. It's like drive, you know, make a car that goes fast enough to escape from its own exhaust. And they've been able to do that. And, and I mean, we all do that to some extent. You know, my parents were like, we live in a bad neighborhood, but we're going to make more money and we're going to get out of that bad yeah, neighborhood yeah, into yeah. a good one. And it's like, Never it's does it occur to people. to think of that on this scale. Yeah, though. but it's the same scale. But it's like, so when the world becomes a bad neighborhood, what do we do? Let's go to Mars. Let's build a bunker. Just a seastead. Yes. Know? Well, classic move. The build seastead. a thing. Yeah. You know, and you know, Epstein had one of those islands sure. too. It's like, you know, get my harem of 200 teenagers and mm-hmm. impregnate them in my little kingdom, you know. <laughs> Repopulate the earth. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's so striking to me about that idea though is because, I, I mean- Obviously, apocalypse narratives have become very in vogue in the past 10, 20 years, right? Especially in the past 10 years. Season yeah. nine of The Walking Dead or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're probably on season... There's like five Walking it's Dead still spin-off on. shows. Yeah. Oh, it's still on. Walking Dead will be on for the rest of mm. your life. Right, because there's like nine spin-offs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, precisely. Battle of very plastic IPs. Yeah. Well, Everyone's dream. I mean, my, that show my, would have been, if they used the 28 days zombies on that show, it would have been over in uh, one season. If they could run? Fast moving zombies, you know. Uh, my yeah. whole thing, though, is like, if there is an apocalypse, right? And and I don't, I'm not immediately handed some sort of like warlord capabilities. It doesn't sound good to me to live in a bunker with a bunch of like s- slaves, whatever, you know, what your security force that you're no longer paying. Um it, it, I would probably rather die with everybody else I know. Um, and and my, my question here is like these people, like they become sort of obsessed with, with uh, surviving longer or like ex- enduring these things that they themselves help create, which actually sounds almost like hellish to me. And, and, but the enthusiasm with which they approach it is extraordinary. And like how do they, do they have any justifications for this? Or is there any like, I mean, how do they, how do they even think about it themselves? I think it's a secret wish more yeah. than it is a fear, you know? And this was when I was with, uh, see, stories. Um, mm-hmm. I was with uh, uh, Timothy Leary when he was reading uh, the book about Nicholas Negroponte starting Media Lab, uh-huh. Stuart Brand's book. And Stuart Brand has all of his own issues yeah. as well. And he's writing this book praising the Media Lab and and – you know, we're just sitting there during the day reading and he's writing all this stuff, Leary in the book and felt tip. And, and, and I'm thinking he loves this book. And he finally finishes the book. He slams the cover and he throws it across the room and he goes, like, it was this horrible thing. I'm like, what, what? And he says, first, less than 3% of the names in the index are women. What does that tell you? And then he said, and second, he said, these guys are trying to recreate the womb. That's mm-hmm. what they want to do with their technology. They were all had mothers who were not able to anticipate their every need when they mm. were growing up. And now they want technology, some algorithm to bring them each thing. They want to live in a little tech bubble and have stuff brought to them. You know, the, the ideal, you know, sex slave robot, yes. you know, this and that. So there's no, no real women, no real nature, nothing unpredictable. Everything comes. And, but that means being ultimately completely alone. And the apocalypse, this fear of, of pollution and infection and crime and climate. Something and breaking through that bubble of being alone, basically, right. that they've constructed. I mean, Peter Thiel is like pretty, I mean, famously that, that I mean, I remember that New Yorker profile on him where it's like 
very clear that what he wants to construct is like, a, he's like, we could just have never lay I mean, not in the Michael Jackson way, although perhaps maybe, I don't know, not saying anything. I've heard some things. Actionable about Mr. Teal. However, you know, it was like, you know, child, a very like childlike fantasy of like creating this, like you can just have whatever you want and be a kid forever world. That's like at the heart of a lot of this stuff that you're talking yeah. about. But it, it, and this is what I was I was thinking about last night when I was trying to think about why uh, Epstein and your work was so uh, uh, formative for me and thinking about this is that these guys, it's not just a return to childhood, but to level up yeah. from everyone else in humanity. Like Peter Thiel's thing is his book, Zero to One. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. does that mean? I'm going to be an order of magnitude above everybody else. Or uh, um, Zuckerberg with Meta. Oh, we're going to go Meta on everybody else. Yeah. It's, it's always about, you know, the derivative, the, 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 the leveling up, the moving one order of magnitude above the common man. So now you are, we are, what Stuart Brand said, we are as gods and you, we may as well start acting like it. You know, that they really think that they're one level above the common folk. That's what allows a sociopath like Epstein to have mm. slaves. Because yeah. they're not human. They're not thinking beings. They're, they're flesh run by their genes. That's why a guy like him then gets in gets in bed, so to speak, with, with Dawkins and Pinker and Dennett and all these people who have this staunchly atheistic, scientistic view of humanity as just we're robots running on genetic code because then why not abuse these people? Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, with Epstein, I, I think that like... I mean, I, one of the more salacious and, and really sort of extraordinary details of of... I guess the Epstein case in general, is his kind of late period fascination with transhumanism, with surrounding himself with these um, scientific types, you mm. know, having all these conferences, flying these guys out to the island, uh, and of course, you know, his, his, his ranch in, in New Mexico. Um, and sort of trying to transcend, you know, it's interesting because he's not a tech guy, right? And, and by all accounts, he wasn't actually himself very scientifically literate, right. which he seemed to know to an extent because... I mean, that's why he hired so many of these guys to hang out with him. Uh, you know, they can they can do the thinking for him. But it, it's part of this um, transcendent in, transcending into godhood, right? And it seems like with Epstein, he had a much more like biological um, approach to it. Mm -hmm. Which no, no, I'm not even made, trying to make a pun there. Um, but you know, he wasn't. He doesn't come at it from the, the tech angle. But you do have these people who do, like Zuckerberg and and Teal and all these other characters who do. And then you sort of see um, the collision of that mindset with you know ideas like I'm talking about the blockchain as sort of an idea or as a stand-in for this like idea of the metaverse and all mm -hmm. these kind of things. Um, and and I think that you know you run into some real problems with the viability of a lot of the transhumanist ideas, namely that a lot of them don't work yet, which is fine by me. Um, but I think a lot of these guys like Zuckerberg have this idea like, okay, well, we can have a metaverse now. And I can sort of like, if I'm in control of these kind of thing, I can kind of level up from everybody, or at least I'll be in control of everybody else's experience, which in essence, you know, sort of makes him a god in that particular realm. And it's this urge that these people have that I think really, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there is a lack of valorization that I think most regular people have for like most tech billionaires. Elon Musk and sort of Jeff Bezos accepted. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these are not popular characters, right? Like Sergey Brin is not like a widely respected person among like you know just regular the man on the street. Certainly, Mark Zuckerberg is not. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's sort of this, um, it's this almost like inhuman version of being evil <laughs> as opposed to this very much more human version of being evil that like billionaires or not billionaires necessarily, but you know, the, the, the rich and, and business owners used to have where we have this almost like, um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like well, God, God, like really they can become gods. In it is ways. interesting. Yeah. Cause it's like in the good old days, evil robber barons, were, yeah. they were part of the industrial age. Right, so you could have lots of land, lots of oil, maybe lots of gold, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And it's like the entrance of digital into it allows for a certain kind of transcendence. So digital is a symbol system. It's not reality. Yeah. So it's everything's kind of transmogrified to this other space. Digitalism and capitalism go really well together because money was already a symbol system. It's like, oh no, you can't you can't have this food. You don't have enough money. Yeah. Infinite like, derivatives. <laughs> right. It's a deri- right. It's a derivative. So digital's derivative of reality. And once they mm. see that, it's like, oh, now we can finally do that alchemical Gnostic transformation to yeah. this realm. And the realm is real and the realm we are committing more money and physical planet to that realm. I mean, we're burning what? We're burning, eff- there's a giant Bitcoin effigy. We yeah. believe in you, coin. We believe right. we'll burn our planet yes. because yeah, to prove yeah. our faith in this coin. And I think they're looking at it, if they're of that religion, of course they want to go and live where the Bitcoin lives, not where the old industrial culture lives. How, I mean, being close, I mean, not being close to these guys, but obviously, you know, talking to them face-to-face yeah. a lot more than, you know, well, myself and Brace, at least. Um, I mean, I talked to Teal. <laughs> uh, how close are they to some of the things they claim are on their to-do list, I guess? Like, I'm, I think that, like, some people have made some lofty claim. You know, you hear these things every once in a while, like, oh, we're actually a lot closer to the Matrix than, you know, you guys would... Like real, like you little people would actually understand, you know, or I mean, I've talked to people who have certainly met with some like top executives at like the big, you know, gaming platforms that are like, oh, there's some like real legit shit down the pipeline that's going to be really scary in that way, you know. Um, But it also seems like still so far far away from this like total dream of the meta. I mean, we talked about this in our episode about the metaverse, like that, like just even from a like hardware standpoint that the internet is not even set up to do the thing that they want to do. And there's a paradox. They have to build the metaverse on top of the internet, which is a system that won't allow it to kind of have the simultaneous reality experience that they want. They can mirror it, but it still won't be the real thing that they're after. The internet can barely do Netflix at this point. Yeah, Yeah. totally. (laughs) Well, Netflix can barely do Netflix. But the idea of like a simultaneous experience is like basically impossible because of the way that like, you know, servers work and all of that shit. But like, so... um, I wonder in that way if it like acts as this like constant desire that they'll just forever be chasing, but we'll never be able to get because it would require them to actually move off of the internet in order to rebuild it up from scratch or something. Yeah, which they'll never do. Which they'll never do because they would have to relinquish everything that, I mean, the power that they do have, which is like, you know, okay, it sounds scary to say that they're these, you know, they want to level up. It sounds so absurd and you know, they're, they think of themselves as like one day they'll be kings, but in some ways they like already are. And I don't mean like in some kind of like, oh, they're CEOs or they're in charge of this thing or whatever, but like these platforms like govern our lives yeah. in like so many ways and they are in charge of them. So I don't you think, know? I, I don't think they can do most 
of what they say. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, and I don't think they will be able to anytime soon. I mean, even the guys I liked who were doing um, Second Life, I remember I interviewed them for a documentary in like 2008 and them saying, oh, within 10 years, we're going to have virtual reality so good, you will yeah, not be able to not distinguish between yet. reality and Oh, it. I definitely and could I, distinguish. Right? Yo, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think so. And you will be able to, <laughs> I think, forever. Um, you know, Toy Story. Great. It's good. It's yeah. good. But it's a Toy Story. It's animation. It's great. It's just shadows. I love it. Um, but I, I'm never going to mistake it for for. Reality. I mean, deep fakes, maybe, but a deep fake is not. It's a, not a simulation. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, a freaking video. It's a question of if you're going to mistake it or if it's going to be so much more seductive than reality, which is obviously where right. they're going with it. Right, and that's just like the same person who wants the the Japanese sex doll as opposed right. to the real thing. If you find that more seductive, there's a problem with you. Not, not, you know what I mean? It's not that the doll yeah. is so good. It's like, you're so fuck off. <laughs> you're, you need this thing. Uh, but that's more compelling. And that's where I think it is. I remember Jaron Lanier, one of the inventors of virtual reality back when, yeah. saying the problem is going to be that as we get better at virtual reality, human beings are going to get better at distinguishing between VR sure. and real life, yeah, which I believe. Sense. But then I think the implication of that for these guys is, oh, then what we have to do is rather than making our tech Better, we have to work on making people stupider. Mm. In other words, the, if, yeah. if a computer passes the Turing test, it's because they've gotten people dumb enough not to be able to know what another human being is, and that seems to be working. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the dumbing down of, of of certainly Americans. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that, like, I'm mean, certainly. You hear people complain just in your day-to-day -day life. I certainly hear people complain about how they lack an attention span anymore. That's usually the sort of the first symptom I feel like that people really bring out. Like, oh, I never read anymore. Or like, I, you know, uh, it's, it's hard, hard for me to pay attention to anything yeah. for a long period of time. Um, and that is just simply, I mean, I, speaking for myself, I didn't use the internet, I guess, that much until like five or six years ago. I was, it was not, it's not a big, as big a part of my life as it is. Yeah, I mean. Really? Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Oh, man. Um, I've been like well, I mean, internet number one user for a very long time. I've, I've used, I mean, I used it. I just didn't, like, I didn't have a smartphone until very, very yeah. much later than a, I think a lot of my contemporaries. Yeah. Um, and I did not have, let's say, consistent Wi-Fi at, for long stretches of my life. Um, but, you know, it seems like there is like an actual, I don't want to call it physical, but a, but yeah, but no, I would say like an actual physical and sort of spiritual and mental uh, decline that someone goes through with prolonged usage of the internet, which at the same time makes you more amenable to some of the worst excesses of a, you know, something that has a lot of really bad components to it. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of, there's nasty behavioral change algorithms yeah. that are in there. You know, and you go to the Captology lab of BJ Fogg at Stanford and you see, oh, this is where they learn to take the algorithms from slot machines and put them in your yeah. social media yes. feed. So, you know, and there's all that happening. On the other hand, people can listen to two and a half hour podcasts about friggin' philosophy and yeah, Sam Harris and wherever they're going for their, you know, the, the long form stuff. So they're, they're, and they're watching, you know, 39 episodes of Westworld in a row. Yeah, so they do be doing there's that. There's something, uh, I'm not so worried about the attention span so much as uh, the the values that get transmitted by some of this media. Well, I think it's also, I want to bring up two other things, right? And two things I want to bring up, and I don't know if I can bring them up back to back, because I think that we're going to probably like 
diverge a little bit. But one is narcissism, which is the behavioral thing. And the other is time. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because it's like you think of these guys making these platforms and, and, you know, a lot of it does feel top down, but a lot of it's like bottom up too, right? And I've always thought of social media as kind of weaponizing narcissism in a lot of ways. And what I mean by that is like there's a, a bit of a misunderstanding, I think, in like popular like notions of what narcissism is, where people think of this like, it's the guy with like, oh, like he's got big, like puffed out chest and he's got this big idea of like who he is. I'm right here. Big, (laughs) like grandiose, he's like Mr. Ego. But like, that's not actually what real narcissism is. Like narcissism really is an inability to connect with other people. And Mm. it's seeing that like, there's always something wrong with your life. And it's and what the problem is is that you can't connect with people, but that's not how you view it, right? And it's what it's what kind of puts like masturbation over sex, or what puts um, you you know people feel shame over guilt because it's all about the self, mm. and you're in a kind of like glass box, unable to connect with other people. And I think that you know, I mean, this is not like a new observation or whatever, but social media. I mean, these are how these guys also think, right? They're all clear narcissists. And I think most Americans are. I think there's something about the American culture that kind of breeds this, which is a whole different topic. But they built these platforms and these apps that amplify it and, and push it further and further and further for everyone else. And so it's like you say zero to one, like that's also, I mean... That's the mechanism of going viral, right? That's the dream of like literally going from zero to like 10 or Mm -hmm. a billion or a million. I mean, that's like how TikTok works, right? It's like out of nowhere and then suddenly you're viral. Absolutely. And this is, it's all one thing is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But that it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's both like these guys from the top down empowering, but it's like, it's fucking coming up from. Right. It's this exponential thing or like the scientists would call it like emergence. Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. Boom, now we're at this new state of complexity. Yeah. Right. And so almost everyone's trying to fucking level up. Right. But the narcissism is really real. You know, and narcissism is partly, you know, it's just a, a result of the way these things were programmed, that you have your homepage and your profile, which just becomes like the new mirror. So everybody's yeah. adjusting, how do I look to the world and all that? And the other problem is that the way you take the way you connect on these technologies is intrinsically antisocial. It's like all the, you know, 500,000 years of painstakingly evolved mechanisms for establishing rapport with another person, like your head nodding and my totally. mirror neurons firing and the oxytocin Just going through my blood. Just kind of gestalt taking in. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's gone. It's you know, all you gone. Try it even on Skype. You can't see it. So what happens is the person says they agree with you, but your, your body's experience is, oh, but I didn't get the cues that mean they agree with me. So it actually breeds distrust every time right. someone says yes. You know, it's like the, the I used to talk about the women on uh, on Real Housewives that they get in fights because their faces have so much Botox. Mm. They can't make facial expressions that are consonant with what they're saying. <laughs> so the other person thinks they're lying. You know, it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Your daughter's going in for cancer That's testing. Fantastic. You really are that. a media theorist. I love that <laughs> That's media theory. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, and the thing is, you get it. That, to me, is the highest form of media theory. But if you do that at the university, they're like, what the fuck are you yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, what are you yeah. quoting? What is that? I'm like, this is it. This is it. Well, this is the misuse of technology, right? You're 
locking down your face, it goes to the, your, your time stuff. You know, you're locking down your face at age 29 makes you inaccessible to the age and moment that you're actually in. Yeah. Right? Which is the classic technologist's error. I mean, the other thing that the, the internet, or not the internet, but because so, I want to be specific. So mm. social media um, really pushes is, you know, the, the, you have to create an identity, right? And this latching onto the identity creation, which is also like a, a thing about narcissism, right? Which is like the identity and who the person is is so central to the narcissist's understanding of their self and their relation to anyone else in the world. Right. Because, I mean, you know, people famously talk about this all the time. It's like everything on social media, it makes you feel like you're a character in your own movie. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone else is ancillary, like ancillary yeah. to that. They're They're the like... You're just the supporting co-host cast. of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. And then that's just and a notch. no understanding of anyone else's interior. Which is a notch away from sociopathy. Right? Absolutely. So you go from narcissism but, to then not relating to other people as humans anymore. Yeah. Or and, you're just playing a role in each situation. Absolutely. And it's all built into the architecture of these systems. Right. Right? And so- By people who suffer from this from well, the get-go. Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, and now we are all created in their image or whatever. And so right. it's like- and I mean, now they're running away. That, and look what they what they did to us. Now society's crumbling because of it. And they're like, oh shit, where's the yeah, escape hatch? I'm gonna go? get out of here. Well, like, right. Where are you safe from the pitchfork? I mean, yeah. that reminds me of like the spate of articles that came out talking about like, oh, well, this such and such tech CEO doesn't let their kids use the internet. Right. Oh, or yeah. like, you know, or like their 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 child's not allowed to have Instagram yeah. or something. Um, I mean, that's part of the same impulse of escape, right? Like, yeah, they're going to, their kids are going to Rudolph Steiner's school and they have totally. an organic goat share and yeah. whatever else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, what, like that impulse. Burying horns for the crop or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, oh, Steiner know, no. and the esoteric yeah. farming. Um, Excuse me, biodynamic. Believe me, biodynamic, I've done some yeah. esoteric farming myself. <laughs> well, also, by the way, I want to point out, they're more than happy to take the checks from the massive contracts that they're with. They're sending all of this technology to public schools, right? Yeah, and yeah. cutting teachers and actually gutting public schools and just shoving all of these basically experimental education technologies on fucking poor kids, right? But the if you give kids iPads for their classrooms, just watch the assessments that you get after are better. Because the assessments are coming from the same iPad. App, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. They're doing. They're learning everything really well that you can teach on an iPad to kids, but they're not doing the basic mimesis of what does an adult who is learning look like? You know, mm. how do we? I have more kids every year. I'm teaching at Queens College now. More kids come in with a note the first day of class from their psychiatrist saying, "Please excuse Johnny from conversation in class because he has social anxiety." Are you or, for, but these are adults. Well, they're 19-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what the hell happened K through 12 that they come to college and they can't have a conversation? Yeah. That is, yeah, that is actually, I mean. I mean, this, and this, we were just talking about this before we met up with you, but it's like, this is this tension that I have personally and like I struggle with because I see this shit and I, I think about this like way more than I should. And I'm just like, this is, there is no way through this. Like it's all bad, and I and I feel this this retreat that I don't that also doesn't jive with my, um, like my own kind of understanding of what I think my politics are right, which is, um, like forward thinking and thinking of the future and kind of this you know communism and the 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 vision of communism has always been, kind of, you know this 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 march and progress towards, you know, a kind of utopian future or whatever. I mean, that's not the way I would describe it. So don't quote me on that, which is a great thing that I'm saying on a podcast that's being <laughs> recorded. However, 
I'm just trying to get to the point, which no is that though. I want to, you know, counterpose that to then. I want to push back on these like Luddite tendencies that I have, but it's really fucking difficult right. when I see what the fuck all this shit is doing, not to just our social interactions, but like, I think like an interior thing, like our, our, like our relationship to ourselves is changing because of these things. Yeah. But it's just, there's this kind of 20th century narrative structure yes. that is the problem here. It's that ends justifies the means journey to the thing. How are we going to get to it? Yeah. And if you're going to sacrifice something now for it, then chances are you're doing the wrong thing. It's like the, the, at the end of this book, that's what I finally got to. Yeah. It's like, if you're not doing it in the moment, you're not doing it. And these tech bros, the real problem is they're, they honestly believe that it's okay to sacrifice the lives and, and, and quality of life of the 8 billion people alive today because there's going to be many trillion people spread out through the cosmos in the future. And if we have to waste this planet for them, it's okay. And that's where I'm like, no, 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 no. You're making a weird bet. If, you, yeah, if yeah, you're not yeah, doing it yeah. in the moment, it, it, there is never an excuse to not do it. So it's not a matter of not making progress. It's a matter of realizing that progress has to be happening in, it, what's your theory of change? I mean, I got the call from Bannon and his people to go on War Room Pandemic as you a podcast. And you said I no. didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah, cool. And some of us never get calls to go yeah. on War Room oh, Pandemic. I'll, I'll get and, you the call. But I couldn't do it because I couldn't figure out a way there's a lot of reasons why, but I couldn't figure out a way uh, yeah. that whatever I did on the show would yeah. be bigger news than the fact that I was on the show. Yes, and yeah. I was just going to give. give Very familiar with that dynamic. It's a hard. Yeah. It's a hard thing. I mean, we had to think about that coming here, of course. But uh, I'll do more good somehow. <laughs> oh um, my god! No. no, this is like this is like heaven. For true me. and on, Pandas. <laughs> war room, true and on. War room, true and on. But where where Bannon's vision of where things go. I mean, I wrote this book, Team Human, which yeah. gets really into natural, a lot of natural imagery and people connecting in nature and, uh, and fractals and all. And Bannon loved it. He mm. loved it. He talks about it. And I'm realizing, uh-oh. You know, and when you use, like Heidegger got in this problem, when you use too much kind of nature imagery in your stuff, fascists tend oh, to yeah, really they love like it. it. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I realized his vision of where he wants things is probably really close to mine, sort of an mm. anarcho-syndicalist, lots of local uh -huh. economies networked together with the land and doing good things. But his theory of change is really off, right? He's got the accelerationist Peter Thiel yeah. theory of change. Like, let's just wipe the slate clean and then get to the thing. So that's where progress and the, the tech bro notion of progress, let's just pedal to the metal, keep going, and is is... It's not compatible with with our shared leftist communist mm. vision. You don't reach for communism. You just start right here, right now. Well, my, like my, Jesus Jones. My thing is though <laughs> about like there is, you know, the, the notion of escape in general to me, uh, especially in relation to technology. Not even to like the natural world or you know, war room pandemics or anything like that. Um, is is you know, like you're saying, like there's this impulse to become essentially, I mean, obviously the Luddite's more complex than this, but to have this like sort of Luddite impulse to like smash the phone, you cannot do that now. I mean, unless you really structure your entire life or restructure your entire life around that, it is basically, I mean, you can't even go to half the restaurants because of these fucking QR codes, yeah. which there needs to be federal legislation about. Well, that was a COVID excuse, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now it's my just, I, thing is now I'm like I'm gonna flip the script on pandemic 
uh, truthers, mm-hmm. which is that actually the pandemic was fake cover to get us to actually adopt QR codes. And yes, and it needs to be and exposed. That was the, that's the, the real, whole thing. Yeah, that's the real COVID cover up. It's like New Coke was to let because us because they the- tried for so long and we we were so good at rejecting. We said yeah. no, we don't need. This? Why are you putting a fucking QR code on a wheat paste poster for? Se- no, crazy. get it out of here, vans now? or whatever. Yeah. And nope. Now it's like, hey, can I look at the menu? Yeah, on your phone. No, I can't see. Yeah, but but yeah, it's I, too agree. Tiny. And, and the thing is, like, there is no to me. Like, I have, I think, a much, much, much more pessimistic view than I think most people. Like, I, I, I. You know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm the smartest guy in the world, but I am in touch with my own spirit, I think, a little bit more than some people. Mm. Um, I said some people like I was referring to you guys, but I just literally yeah. mean some people. Yeah, like gypsies. So it, some people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I don't see a future that is not just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Right, and most of the people coming up with solutions are talking about, well, let's get more of the value you're yes. creating on the blockchain so it will be yeah. fair to you. Yeah. Or let's give you more yeah. digital tools so you can you can assume right. a sovereignty over yourself. Like self-sovereignty yes. is itself. Talk about meta. How could you get more meta than self? So I'm the king of oh, they myself. Figured, no, they're <laughs> going to make you a renter of parts of yourself. Right, exactly. Which they figured out somehow. Exactly. But there is, I'm, I'm more hopeful about that maybe than, than, than you are because- I don't think you have to get out of the this technocracy that we're living in to do it. You you know, I mean, it sounds so corny, but look in the eyes of your lover, hold hands, you know. He's help, always saying that. Help the lady across the street, invite them over to sing crazy songs. I mean, the the human connection is is a moment away. Just start doing favors for each other. You know, be intimate, and and you can do it in in, in any. I mean, they friggin' sang songs in the in the refugee camps and death camps and everywhere. You you can yeah. find the spirit. That's what they don't believe in. That's what Dawkins and Pinker and all these guys. That's when they laughed at me. And there's another story in the book. They called. They, they laughed at me. It was funny because it was um it was Naomi Wolf. It was oh, way back yeah, when, yeah, but yeah. it was in the '90s. You know, before <laughs> before all the current stuff was going on. And Naomi Wolf was just arguing. Don't you think there's a possibility that there's some kind of soul or spirit or other something going on here? And they're like, "What? What could you, you possibly mean?" They're like laughing at her. And yeah. I try to bring up, you know, Wittgenstein. You know, theory. You know, just, uh, yeah, just societies yeah, yeah, of yeah. meaning and communities of that. And they're like, "Oh, so you're a moralist." You know, and it's like the next time I see them, it's in that picture that Jenny Harden put on uh, Twitter of them all in the Lolita yeah, Express yeah, going, yeah, I'm yeah. like, ha, I'm the moralist. Well, look at you, you know. But uh, but it dovetails so well. The idea of if people have no souls, if there is no spiritual thing to compromise, then it's okay to treat them like slave bugs or whatever you're, yeah. you're yeah. doing to them. I mean, they really think people are actually, they call, doesn't someone refer to people as like meat suits? Yeah. Well, and that was a lot of us in the early cyber days. It was like this is meat space. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's the other thing, meat space. It sounded low. Well, that that's that's another question I have because you know, you are, you know, and I hope I'm not stepping any toes here. You are Gen X. Yeah. I and think so. The, the real Gen X has been forgotten. But the real Gen X is like me, Doug Copeland, Rick Linkletter. Uh it was a, a yeah, we're yeah. older than what they normally call Gen X now. But yeah, it's slackers. Yes, no, <laughs> slackers. Yeah, you were, you were, you slack were, is the highest attribute of, of you, mankind. You were, you were pretty tapped into the early internet, right? And yeah. like we, we've, we've talked a lot about the early internet on the show in, in both the, you know, 
I guess the history of it, but also sort of the, 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 the spirit behind it or the spirit behind a lot of its early proponents. Um, you know, I, I, I can't remember where I read you said this, but you said this somewhere that you still have a lot of the optimism or that you still have optimism that you had back then. What, what I want to know is that like the internet has changed so much and society also because of the internet or alongside the internet, lots of things have changed since the 1990s. Groundbreaking statement I'm making here. Um, I, I, you know, it's almost like a totally different beast that like, I really I would be pretty difficult to have envisioned back then. Yeah. And, um, you know, there is no, that, that barrier between meat space and digital space is really permeable now, right? Like now, especially with like, you know, portable phones and stuff, like it used to be, you know, you would actually have to sit down maybe in a chair and, you know, actually, you know, press a button and wait for all the noises to make Brian Eno's little song mm -hmm. play. Now it's like the constant flipping between a phone and someone you're talking to, you know, or uh, your phone and, you know, listening to, listening to something and then like having to take your earbud out and be like, you know, please don't touch my butt on the train or whatever. Um, that to me creates like, you know, like we're talking about flattening time. And, you know, you wrote this, this book, Present Shock, uh, really a, 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 in large part about that. And mm. that you I think that book's like almost 10 years old at yeah. this point. It seems to me to have been... I, I don't understand how the brain can even comprehend sort of switching between those two realities because sometimes, you know, you're enmeshed in social media or whatever, talking to people on there and then actually having to like return basically to the real world. Um, that barrier is so thin now that I, I, it seems like it's probably doing something pretty bad to our brains. Well, something different. I mean, that barrier goes away. That's sort of what, you know, Neil Postman wrote about in, in Technopoly that first you, you, invent a technology in order to accomplish some task, then you start uh, retrofitting the world to make it easier to use that technology, and then you end up kind of living inside that technology. It, it, it becomes right. the environment. But you could look at something, and I know the techno-optimists do this kind of thing, but you could look at something like language that way. Yeah. So before we had words, you know, you walk into another tribe, it's like, what is that? That guy's using mouth noises, and then that woman is going and doing something. He's got magic with yeah. that. You know, and it's the step, okay, now I'm going to use speak, and yeah. I'm going to do some of that. Ooh, and now I'm doing it, and now I'm just regular. Now I'm doing it until you live in a world where speech is... Yeah. And that's how we think. We use words, actually, uh, uh, we use words to, to, to think about everything else now. It's, 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 everything's linguistic. So it's not necessarily bad. It's just different. And you've got to understand, I mean, this is sort of a, a, a sales pitch for understanding media theory. If, but if you understand the affordances of different media environments, you're less likely to become a fucking asshole in them, yeah. right? And these guys who are building stuff with these technologies, they drop out of school when they're 19. They, 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 they turn these, these venture capitalists into their father figures and they, they kind of transfer parental authority onto them and then they live to have an IPO. Yeah. You know, and so everything we're living, all this stuff we're, we're building, it's all, it's all about that. Either that or these infantilized escape, mm. you know, or, or narcissistic uh, visions of the world. It's interesting because just because you mentioned the IPO thing, it got, it kind of lit something up in my brain, which is We that, are going public. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that, all that, that kind of story that like, the unicorn story, right? Like that feels very of a time. Mm. And we're at the end of that time. And, and I mean, the reason why I say that is because that was during the like 
zero interest regime, which was not totally unprecedented, but somewhat unprecedented in terms of there just being so much fucking cash everywhere that there was, and right at the point when a lot of this technology was just emerging and all these, you know, there was kind of this perfect storm, right? And we are now moving into a time when a lot of that money is drying up in different ways and a lot of capital is kind of getting a little little more scared. You're not seeing people extend money in the same kind of ways. Um, but, you know, people are just not lending. The credit isn't there. Um, and you see a lot of that drying up clearly in like the crypto space, which is having its own yeah. sort of... Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm it's I'm having a little schadenfreude with that. It's uh, you know I feel bad yeah. for a lot of people, but it's really hard to feel completely bad about the whole thing. But you know, so we're going to kind of enter this now, this time where there isn't going to be the the ability for these kind of like unicorn stories to continue in that same way, um, which is sort of going to change the landscape and how we think of. Like all this new stuff kind of emerging. Yeah. Like we're not going to be in this. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I probably will be. But it feels like it's going to be a lot more difficult for all of these new sorts of things to kind of pop up and emerge as we move forward in this time of like, you know, not zero interest, not fun, flush, frothy money everywhere. Kind yeah. of VCs just saying, go play. And it's also because the monopoly players have gotten so big and so good at identifying useful technologies before they have time to have real ideas of their own. They just come in and scoop it up. So it's like, you can't, you can't, there's no space anymore to do the new great thing. Do you, I mean, do you find like the people who work at these companies, the people who run these companies actually like, is there a cynicism there? Is there like, a, is there any sort of self, I mean, I know there's self-awareness to the point where like, I don't want my kid using the, the same right. product I make, but like, you know, there's a lot of high sort of highfalutin talk about how the, their products will, Snapchat will remake society or whatever. And which in a sense, I think they're yeah. right, but probably not in the sense they mean. Um, you know, when, when encountering these kind of people, like is, what is the, um, I guess, what are they like? Well, some of them push through to the other side. So they're like like the sort of humane technology kinds of people or the people we saw in um, that movie, The Social Dilemma. Yeah. You know, they, they go down to Burning Man or they go to the Amazon and do a bunch of ayahuasca and they come and they go, oh, I see the evil of my ways. I've, you know, been programming humanity into subservience to these things. So now I'm going to build a new stack and program humanity into better. Yeah, it's like so they take the same sort of superior model. It's like, oh, so we're going to do I'm going to do a sense making app or a healthy app or a mindfulness app. Classic. Upscale humanity. We're going to reboot humanity's brain Mm. to rise to this new level. And I've got a stack for a new eco farm agricultural city that you will drop a seed in a forest and it will mushroom into this thing. So they they take the same kind of techno-solutionist hubris and just apply it to making the world good yeah. instead of uh, anything. And, and their good plans are just as fraught with the, the narcissistic uh, sociopathy, sociopathy as, uh, as anything else. 
And that's where your, your QAnon people come in. So they hear the vision of these folks of Gates is going to buy up all the agriculture yeah. and make the super vaccine. And we're going to have the Great Reset is going to do solar panels overnight. We're going to transform the QR world. QR codes so- everywhere. Right. And put everything on the blockchain. You know, if you tried to transition to green energy in a decade, you would destroy the planet yeah. just digging up the lithium for the batteries and the, yeah, the yeah. it's like, it does not going to work either. So the, 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 you also just wouldn't be able to power. I mean, they're just, you no. wouldn't be, yeah, you're not, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And the QAnon people, the funniest thing, the sweetest thing about the QAnon conspiracy people is they are taking the tech bros at their word. If yeah, one, yeah. Know, it's like, okay, you're going to talk like that. This is what, and if people are going to believe you. They're going to be friggin' scared of you. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a good point because mm. I mean, they, 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 they really talk in this way of, you know, like I was saying, like, you know, Snapchat is an app that, I mean, he didn't actually say that. I mean, who knows what the fuck those yeah. guys actually said, but you know, the, my, my photo app or whatever is just going to totally like revolutionize society. But the thing is, I also kind of take them at their word. Although not necessarily, I don't take them in the way that they mean it because, I mean, QAnon generally draws from like an older audience, right? Like old people who spend kind of paradoxically Hmm. a lot of time on Facebook um, or funnily enough, 4chan, which is, I think, the sweetest irony of any of that. Um, It's incredible that you can't, people couldn't like, can't figure out how to like change their passcode, but they can understand how to navigate 4chan. Yeah, Yeah. I I still don't know. But the metaphor is so apt. Yeah. You know, that that we're living in a society where we are being infantilized and shafted by people who are telling us they're taking care of us. You yeah. know, and that is the 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 child abuse, you know, metaphor. It's it's perfect. So on a metaphorical level, it's right. And the spirit is being sucked out yeah. of them. They all feel like the children. And when you say how these apps are sucking out your soul, that's the adrenochrome. Yes. It really yeah. is. Yeah, no, you know? I, I fully I get agree. It. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, 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 I am, you know, it's funnily enough also, it's like for the, a lot of these people, it's kind of elder abuse more than child abuse. Yeah. Um, especially a lot of the um, financial uh, schemes that, that kind yeah. of came along with QAnon. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so, to me, that the kind of the great irony of a lot of this stuff is a lot of the people who are really sucked into, especially QAnon, I would say, it's like they talk in these, I mean, we talked about this in a previous episode, talk about in terms of like, you know, I took the red pill and I've kind of broken out of the matrix, but they're breaking out of the matrix by spending 18 hours a day online and restructuring their life, restructuring their familial relations, mm. all this stuff based purely upon, um, you know, words they've read by people they've never interacted with, oftentimes posted anonymously. And, you, you know, you see that, I, I think, increasingly in that, like, people kind of get sucked into, like, they think that they can break through. by if The more time that you spend on the internet, the more that you're actually able to transcend the internet and, I guess, become a one or instead of a zero or whatever. Um, and it, it really is just, like, it's it's... It seems like it's it's happening. It happens more and more with more social movements and more and more social movements. And like to me, I see that as like almost the the the, the mainstream future of social movements as happening almost entirely online. And then having these sort of like schizophrenic real world effects that, of just driving people totally insane. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it goes. I was talking about this in Present Shock back in 2013. And I was at the time there was the um, the Tea Party movement. Yeah, you know, and I was arguing the Tea Party movement are 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 in present shock. They want everything now, now. You know, they want their service. They want the thing now. Yeah. And at the at the end of the book, I was talking about this phenomenon I called fractal noia, 
which is when everything is coming separately in the sort of puntalist way that, that social media and, and the internet do, that we have this tendency to try to connect things, to sort of make a, make a single fractal out of the picture, to make sense yeah. out of it. And what I was saying was that we're going to get to this place, if you take Tea Party plus fractal noia, you will get the future of politics. And that's what QAnon is. It's a Tea Party rage plus the, 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 the research networking of ideas. Yeah. You know, and it's no longer the fun of the Art Bell show. This is like, you know, scary. And you get, and, and you get that, that, that phenomenon. And it's really, uh, it's really hard to unwind that one because it's, it's fulfilling such a deep, yeah. a deep need for sense-making. Yeah, and like, I mean, what you talk about in that book, I think, which is like our desire to create narratives. Yes. And I think that, you know, getting back to kind of like digital, the way that like the digital digital media, you know, has changed things, like creating narrative, first of all, it's it's kind of like a paradox, right? Because there's a kind of demand to constantly be creating new narratives, constantly creating content, you know, in the digital space of these like stories that all exist in a very like present moment. And on the flip side of that, like there's a complete narrative collapse in the sense that like, you know, something we talk about on the show a lot, like you want to talk about political implications, there is just a complete and total decay of like any historical memory across all different societies. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this with, you saw it with the election in the Philippines. Yeah. Um, you see it, we just talked about it with Tom talking about just like, you know, narrative collapse of like, you know, a historical memory of just what the fuck happened in England over the past 20 years. And you see it here. You know, people can't even remember. I mean, it's it's shocking to me how little understanding of history we all hold of just like really recent history, you know? And it's because we're inundated, not just with all of this content at us, but the demand to then create it and put it back out there at the same time. And so we're in this like, just oppressive, constant state of like presentism yeah. that makes not just understanding and analyzing and thinking about the past impossible, but then there is kind of paradoxically, you can't imagine a future and yet everything is sort of conditioned on this. I mean, you know, derivatives are all about future results, right? right? It's all betting on the future and it's all about future actions. And yet there's no actual like, ability to construct any kind of vision of an actual future, right? And even though we've forgotten everything in the past, it's like everything you've done is recorded indelibly and can come back and get you. Every podcast from 10 years ago where you used a word that turns out to be bad later. You want to, again, (laughs) talk about narcissism. Shame is the weapon of choice in the the digital world, which is the weapon of the narcissist. We're going to make you feel shame Mm -hmm. for something, you know, I mean, or I feel shame for what I've done. I don't feel guilty because I've done something to someone else. I feel shame about myself. Right. That is right. a narcissistic response. So I feel shame, but there's no apology in that. There's no reconciliation. You, yeah. There's no reconciliation because it's just about the image of the self. Right. Right. So how do I do how do I do image repair rather than Yeah, how do I reconstruct yeah. my identity so that it cannot be const it cannot be you know, um, like hit by anyone else, right? What's my armor? What's my, you know, I mean, it's just fucking bleak shit, if you ask me. No, I mean, it really is kind of Avatar Matrix shit in yeah. a way that I think is just not as literal as as like people kind of once imagined it. Yeah, you die, well, I don't know, if you die on the internet, you die in real life. <laughs> Which should be, by the way, a law for video games. 
If you if you die in a video game, they have to come. They come and kill you. They, you should die. Yeah, <laughs> it would certainly up the stakes. Maybe less yeah. people would play video games. Then, which I think many be good. fewer would play if they knew. Yeah, but you know, ideally, you'd live in a world where you could kill your avatar and start it again. You know, that's what Genesis Peorage always used to say. You know, if you find yourself in the road, kill him. Kill him. You know, <laughs> it's like once you know who you are, you're done with that one and to be somebody else. Yeah, but I mean, it, I think I think that you see attempts at that that people make all the time. You know what I mean? Like re, re, I, I've known personally in my own life, like several people who've sort of, you know, I, I think everyone runs into that. You'll see someone that you, that you know on the internet, and it's a totally different person than, than they were a couple of years ago right. in real life or on the internet. And then you know you you lose track of them again, and then they reemerge again as like a you know a, a something new. The thing with that though is you actually you can't escape the past use, right? Like someone will dig something up or, you know, every single person out there has some kind of ammunition because the, you know, the, 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 the weapon here is basically multifaceted. You know, you can find everybody's yeah. said something stupid or done something stupid or embarrassing or, you know, can be painted in whatever light. Um, but it is this like constant reinvention, which people did prior to the internet. Of yeah, Madonna and exactly. Michael Jackson and everybody. They always yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. Like, we, were, we were all kids. You always right. experiment with all different things. So right. I'm, into, I'm a goth now. I'm into right. punk music. In sixth now grade, I'm, I'm yeah. going to be this. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm like doing something else. Whatever. Yeah. The problem is, is when you make those the the stakes are now fit are are just like so much more extreme. It's like, but you can't exactly because now you're doing this in sort of you like can't be what Genesis said. No. Because now you're doing this in kind of like an ultra public way, right? Like before, if I went from you know, being a mod to a raka, then all I have to do is throw away my parka and purchase a leather jacket and a nice big switchblade comb. But now it's like, you know, all, all the only people who would know were my former mod group and now my rockers. It, now though, you know, depending, if you reinvent yourself, you're actually reinventing yourself from a much wider audience, right. is which I see. And so there's much, there's stakes that seem higher. Right, there. and you reinvent yourself, but it's not like you get to belong to the new group. You don't see yeah. it. You become a rocker or mod. It's like you're not hanging out with other rockers right. or mods. Yeah, right. It's just yeah, a picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, do you think of like, I mean, when you think of the future, um, you know, it seems like these digital communities, obviously, like, but when I was younger, the people post on message boards and stuff like that. But it, and some people did make a real lifestyle out of it. I want to downplay that. Um, I did not have the time, nor patience, nor mm. internet connection for that. But now it's like, yeah, you have this like, this you can change these identities by just posting a picture, right? You actually don't have to put any like effort or anything right. into it, um, and and it makes the idea of identity, I think, really ephemeral and like much more malleable than it than it than it previously had been. And I think that causes something in people's brains where like they can't. It's the it's this it's this you have infinite choices essentially, and it it's this you know fractal noia thing where like you have. Basically, every every you're trying to assemble a picture out of just a million different pieces of broken pottery. Right, and but too often those broken pieces of pottery are are data. Yeah, you know the whole quantified self and how many steps have I walked today and yeah. this data trail you leave behind. Yeah. And that's a weird way to think about oneself too. As, Metrics, just yeah. like these guys, how they think of things. Yeah, again, it, you lose all that in between soft, squishy stuff where. Spirit and soul and love and yeah, all of us really live. Well, I mean, what do you think is the biggest danger to the soul right now in this present moment? God, I mean, I think it's individualism. It's it's 
kind of what I wrote about in the last book. It's forgetting that being human is a team sport, that we're part of one collective nervous system, that, that all of us make it or none of us make it. There is no escape. You know, and people are trying to jockey for position. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, there is no, it's like the whole boat's going down and there's no lifeboats at all. We're all in this, it doesn't matter what deck you're on. You yeah. know, so everybody's moving around in that. And it's like, dudes, dudes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, you know, when, when these guys who's, who's, you know, for instance, I know, I know a fella who probably is listening to this. Well, hopefully he's not, but who worked at a uh, technology firm. Uh, he was a mechanic there, so it was like a, they made little robot things, and his boss was obsessed uh, with the idea of living forever. Much, you know, mm. sort of similar to Epstein, but sort of further down the line. Mm. I mean, the technology, of course, is like total. It's like cryogenics or something. It's one of those things that like really rich and ostensibly smart people believe in, even though it does not work. Does just does mm, not yeah. work physically. <laughs> no, impossible. will not work. Um, but keep trying though. This guy's just, you know, his boss was obsessed with life extension technology. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I, I didn't really interrogate what that meant because I, I know enough about it to know a lot of that stuff is just, you know, totally, it's just yeah. wacko, you know, crackpot science. Um, and, you know, I, I think to me it's like, the, like those people seem to want to live forever in like a soulless world, right? And um, Well, that's the thing. The only way to live forever is in a soulless world. Yeah. If you can reduce hum- humanity and experience to data, if we are just like Ray Kurzweil would say, we are just information up. evolving towards higher states of complexity. Yeah. That means you could take the information that is you and put it in something else and it would be just fine. As long as there's no soul, you can you can live forever, sure. Yeah, yeah, but which, which is, I mean, it's so, it's almost like, um, it's like a cult in a way, you know? It, it is really like... Uh, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's like it's like you know try, even even yeah. the idea of like uploading your consciousness to the metaverse. It's almost like this like ritualistic thing where it's like the QAnon people aren't too wrong about that, yeah. right? It was really fun to look at the origins of that. Then you go back to the um, two-track diplomacy meetings of the United States and Russia yeah. at Esalen in the 1970s is when the Russian cosmists, have you heard of cosmism? Oh, Cosmists? Yeah, yeah. So the Russian cosmists, they were the ones, original ones who, who like fucked dolphins and, yeah, and yeah, made yeah. robots for consciousness yeah, and yeah, all that. Yeah. And they taught it to the West Coast American, like Steve Jobs kind of people. Like, oh, or Michael Murphy at yeah, S. Like, yeah. This is cool. So we took sort of American technology and Russian uh, uh, kind of trans, it, it came a little bit out of the, the Russian Orthodox religion is a little bit more about transubstantiation and right. yeah, getting yeah. out of body. And you got exactly what you're talking about. This, and you then you have you know Timothy Leary's with Smile, you mm-hmm. know, which which is uh, basically ends with life extension is yeah. what they were all into. That we can, you know, he he was going to do cryogenics until like two weeks before he died. They came to visit and said, you know, oh measure various things, and he said, I don't want to wake up. To a bunch of people like them with clipboards asking me, you know, forget it. He tore off the, he had the bracelet. I have his bracelet. He tore off his cryogenic bracelet. Good He's Lord. like, no, I'm going to just, I'm going to go the Buddhist way if there is one. I'll, I'll you know. Figure it out afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, it is funny because so much of the internet, I mean, that early sort of thinking behind the internet came out of Esalen and right. at least, West you know, Coast that, kind of culture. Exactly. And all. Yeah. Grateful Dead has headism and psychedelic culture. Yeah. Human yeah. potential. The human potential movement. Right. Yeah. And it seemed like that. It really did. You know, and where, and I, I know where we went wrong, we, where it, like, I, was, I, I went wrong, uh, was, 
you know, John Barlow, bless his heart, lyricist for the Grateful Dead, came out with this thing called the Declaration of Independence of Cyberspace. Mm -hmm. And he wrote this yes. thing right after there were, we really didn't like, we on the net didn't like government. Because they did, FBI came and did this thing called Operation Sun Devil, where they broke into the apartments and the houses of hacker kids and yeah. like, put them in cuffs and, you know, broke their computers because they were so scared of kids. So that happened. Tipper Gore was doing her computer decency. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tipper, forgot about so her. So it seemed like government was the enemy of the free internet. Yeah. And John Barlow writes this thing, governments of the world beware, you are not welcome here. Uh, yeah, we're going to be document. fine without yeah, you. Yeah, Fuck yeah, all y'all. Yeah. And what we didn't realize was that you can't get rid of government without also getting rid of corporations. So yes. he was just basically, hey, this is a free zone. And they all, it's like, you know, fungus and bacteria balance each other in the body. You get yeah. rid of fungus and the bacteria go nuts. And that's what happened. Corporations just came. And then only later do I go, oh, he ran, uh, uh, you know, Dick Cheney's first congressional uh, oh, uh, election. Yeah, yeah. He's a staunch libertarian. It's like, oh, I get it. This He's is libertarianism. We had no idea. We thought it's just like freedom. <laughs> yeah, I mean that seemed to be a big theme of the early internet. It's like this is this notion of, of freedom. When it, and it's funny because as somebody who you know I'm 32, came of age sort of alongside social media. Mm. All I've seen it do is just like my experience with the internet is really like watching it sort of chain down more and more people I know and lock them into this cycle. Where it's it's one of the it's I think a lot of people have this nostalgia not only for their own lives pre-internet but really for a pre-internet age like the atomic age for instance mm. you see so much like nostalgia from from even people you know my age for like you know the fifties the you know the sixties seventies whatever right if I could only just have a normal eight nine to five job exactly I could go home and the atomic age of course you know atomic also referring to atomic energy yeah. and sort of this like you know semi-optimistic future. Thing there, which that didn't pan out exactly either. But uh, you know, there was the there was the threat of nuclear annihilation, the total annihilation not only of you but every single person on Earth. Yeah. And it's like now we don't even have the sort of romance of at least everybody dies. Now it's like we are the digital age. I guess they they call it. I'm, is that is that the name of the age? I guess. That's, yeah. I've heard it referred yeah. to as that. Um, but where we really like you actually get to keep living. Probably, you know, in your your physical body, but your actual spirit and soul is is has been slowly or does get slowly annihilated, and it's sort of it's 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 no wonder that people are are sort of nostalgic for this past, or at least you know you might die at any moment, but you know at least you belong to the Rotary Club. Please. So a lot of the guys you mention in the book and um, a lot of the stories in the book uh, are all kind of characters that, you know, like our listeners will, will absolutely be familiar with, but really were in like Epstein's coterie. And you yourself went to some of the Edge events that that he hosted or that. Was he there or was he part of it? Or yeah, I knew give so us the little. Listeners the it was weird. I knew so little about it, right? I'm like, it's like mid, late 90s and I, like, I'm cyber boy, right? I'm the kid who knows about this net thing that's going to happen. So they invite me as as that. Oh, he's the one who wrote, you know, Media Virus and all. Yeah, yeah. And I go to these things and it's weird, the... Um, 
I'm allowed to just speak truth. Yeah. I remember yeah. the first edge party I went to, the the host took me aside and said, um, I brought this the smartest woman I knew in New York, who's I won't even say her name, smartest woman I knew in New York at the time, to because I had a plus one. And he takes me aside, he goes, You wasted your plus one on a lesbian? And it was when I realized, oh, they invite a young kind of hip whatever. I was I was maybe a slightly hip 28, 32-year-old, you know, New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm gonna bring the hot chick and 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 add to the th- that grace of this yes. thing. And I I didn't know. You know, I just didn't know. It's like in college, I went to college, I went to Princeton of all places. And it's like it's like the last week I realized, oh. I was supposed to be networking. I was supposed yeah, to be like, oh, I should have like, introduced myself to some people. Right. Yeah. These are all the children of like rich people. And like they're all going off to, you know, Smith Barney or whatever. They just like, oh, I didn't know. I was just going to school and getting stoned. I didn't know. Um, and, and so sort of the same thing happened at these at, at these parties, you know, where where I mean, I was too intimidated to go walk up to like Steve Case or yeah, one of those yeah, or yeah. Vince Cerf or one of these yeah. you know, internet pioneers. But it was, there was this, I was just naive. There was this other thing going on. And I just wanted, I, all I wanted was famous scientists to like me and to mm. think that my work meant something. Yeah. But everything I said to them came off like spiritual, Buddhist, hippie, nonsense when I'm talking about, you know, people are going to reconnect with each other and mm. it raves. We, we become a, a, a group organism and to have a yeah, collective yeah, nervous yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, uh, you know, and they they were, they were, they were raising money. And by selling ideas, scientists would, they, they knew how to pitch. You could listen to science. Yeah. They would pitch whatever it was they were working on, got recontextualized as a life extension technology or right. a, this is capable of housing a human brain. You know, my microchips will be so fast that they will, you know, and, and that's, that's what was going. People were doing business. And yeah. then what would happen is they would kind of, there'd be like dating going on. And then there'd be something that I wasn't invited to right after, which is like the, now we're going to do the special seminar on behavioral economics. And it's like Bezos is there and, you know, Gates is there. And, you know, some of these, you know, uh, 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 scientists are there teaching really the dark art, behavioral economics yeah, is how yeah. to abuse people's misunderstandings of finance to get them to do stuff. And then how yeah. do you apply behavioral finance to your application or your yeah. Amazon thing? Which they have thing, done very well. I was going to say, they were paying attention well. during those and seminars. Like, <laughs> oh, but it's like, no, you don't invite the little, you don't invite the rabbi to that, right? I'm, which basically was me, the little kind of psychedelic rabbi anarchist child. Yeah, yeah. So there'd be that. Or they would take a... Uh, They'd invite this one, that one, this one, and that one, and they would go like on the the voyage of the beagle together. You know, like the the Darwin's voyage. Oh, you know, God. so you know Dawkins and whoever yeah, would be yeah, on yeah, this yeah. with people like you know uh, the the billionaire people, and they would have this sort of science experience. But they were they were, as I understood them, the events that I wasn't at were all programmed with 
a soullessness yeah. that was about how do we employ the latest and greatest things that we know about science and quantum to the extraction of value from people and places and the extension of our personal information clusters into the post, post-life space. Yeah. You know, so it was this, this almost, to me, it had a, a, if this is too strong a way to say it, a, a genocidal ambiance. Mm. Oh, I'm with you on that. No, I, I, am, I am 100% behind you on that. Oof. I mean, it's, it's not, to, not to be too strong and you know, saying things here, but it, you, know, you can't help but be reminded of like, you know, again, like a lot of the things that they're, you know, they, they, these apps experiment. Right, like I mean, sometimes there's direct experiments on like you know behavior, human behavior, and mm-hmm. all things like that. But in a, in a larger sense, a lot of this in it's it's new technology. It's, it's all experimental, experimental technology. Right, right. Yeah, we've and never seen it on this scale before ever. Of exactly, course it's experimental. And, and it, you know, it is it is it is in a large society worldwide scale. Uh, in in essence, its core is businesses and scientists essentially experimenting on the human psyche, on the human soul, on the human interactions with each other. With no control group. At all. No. <laughs> no, no control You're group. You're right. No control. Let's get the, let's talk the Amish. Yeah, really. That's about the closest no, there, we there, get. There, mm. there's, a, there's a dark side to the Amish. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a dark side to everything. Yeah. Right. No, my friend got his ass. No, it was a method, uh, Mennonite that kicked his ass. Mm. But yeah, we can't talk about the no, Mennonites. No, we have yeah. Mennonite listeners. We do, and they which, got upset at us how we described Mennonites. No. You know what? So Actually, they were, very, they were very pleasant about it. Well, tomato, tomato. Yeah, but the Amish do accept technology. They just evaluate it. Yeah. They're almost Postman-esque in the way it's like, oh, what does this do? I remember Postman used to do this bit on electric windows for cars. Uh And he's like, why do we have these? What? Is it something really wrong with cranking a window? It's like, what what, what problem does this solve? Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the thing with a lot of this is like, is is can you imagine if anyone on Elon's team asked that? Well, yeah, what problem does this God. solve now? Yeah, I mean that that's the thing with so much of this stuff is like, what problem does it solve? And 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 really, like I question I grapple with a lot is like, is this is anybody does this make anybody's life better? Right? Like obviously, there's a lot of people with businesses on the internet, right? And a lot of people who are able to get more attention on the internet. Um, but like, is, is as a, as a, as a human race, like, I really have to sort of stop and wonder, like, is anybody's life innate better because of this stuff? Well, I think it's like important then to be specific about what we're talking about. Okay. Cause you you can't like, cause it's hard when we just say like technology, it's like, well, what do you mean? What do we mean? Right. Do I I think think usually we're talking about like social media, which is. A very different than just like yeah. I'm not talking about technology writ large. I'm talking about like this. Con- fine, fine. I'll put it this way: this constant use of social media and evaluating ourselves and our peers on these apps and things like that. And even more than that, even just like the 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 ability to get anything you want at the drop of a hat. So beyond social media, um, I, I I don't see that it's actually it's it made it made things more convenient. But I I it's hard for me to to except that it's yeah, made anyone's no, life There better. was a moment in the late 90s when the technology flipped and it was no longer people using technology to get something done, but businesses using technology on people. Yes. 
And once that polarity changed, um, yeah, it became a tool of capitalism. And so now you build technology. This problem that you solve is how do we get another 20% growth yeah. for this company next quarter? That's the only problem. Yeah, you can't. But also that's the thing they're all seeing, right? Look at all these companies. I mean, like Netflix, that's a famous example, yeah. easy example to pick on them. But like their growth is completely flat. And the kind of money that they used to have to kind of just say, okay, everyone go play, go create, go create, just boom, like content, 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 content on it. They can't have that anymore because of their own, because of, for a lot of reasons, just in general, the general kind of uh, landscape of the economy, but also just because they can't hit 20, 30% growth every quarter. You can't forever. forever. There's yeah. only so many eyeball hours on the planet. You know, in the well, end, you need to figure out a, a way human. to monetize sleep, and I'm surprised right. they haven't. Yeah, I'm sure they're going. Yeah, no. You guys yeah. don't use yeah. Sleeply. <laughs> you mine coin while you sleep. I'm just uh, made that up. <laughs> no, I'm sure that exists. I mean, I saw. I was. I was watching. Sometimes I watch the Today Show. Like to keep my uh, pulse on Middle America, to, middle, to, middle class America. Uh, to out you here, Liz always watches the Today <laughs> I Show. I don't, but they did have two funny segments. One was about. Um, how to kind of like recession-proof your life by finding side hustles. And all of it pointed to apps, like one that I cannot remember the name of it, but it was like an app to rent out your backyard for people to take their pets. I, I swear to God. Wait, you can let someone's pet, you can charge someone for their pet shit in your backyard? Yeah, or like playing, oh, I guess. Oh, okay, it's like not you just keep like it there. Whatever. No, I mean like, like so, you come <laughs> to that person's backyard and you like walk your dog and play with them in their backyard. Interesting. And it's like a way to kind of like Airbnb your backyard for like hourly rates or whatever. And then whatever the second, works. one of the big, a big, huge segment this morning was literally over the Instagram algorithm changes and their, their quote unquote pivot to video and trying to compete with TikTok. And, you know, they were having like a roundtable debate on whether or not Instagram should be doing this and how it was affecting people. And you're like watching, you know, it wasn't, I, I can't remember who these people are. They just all look like the same. They're all just like, Beautiful. they're all like some blurry version of Carson Daly yeah. to me or something who actually I think is on the Today Show, weirdly enough. Um, but it is a weird arms race kind of between human beings and algorithms. Yeah. yeah. And it is weird when it's like, okay, what does the algorithm want from me? How can I change my business and my practices? Oh, I'm going to make shorter videos, longer videos. I mean, even in the podcasting world, there's some of that where you look at, well, where are people dropping off and what do yeah, we change yeah, and what yeah, do we do? Yeah. You know, but, but when we're tuning, that's we, the thing. When people give us feedback, we do the opposite. We ignore well, everything yeah. anyone says. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine you would do it. Ignore? Uh -huh. Yeah, or, or go against. I don't you understand know, just, what they're saying to us. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Anytime anyone criticizes me, I'm like, you're yelling at me and I'm afraid of you. So I'm right. going <laughs> to... I knew you enjoy it too. But but no, but it's it's these... the the uh, In the hacker day, the good old yeah. hacker days, the late 80s, early 90s, we used to have this term exploit. Uh -huh. And an exploit was when you found like... A, a weakness in the machine yeah. that you could then go in and get it to do cool things. Yeah. Now, social media companies talk about exploits in humans. Yeah. We found another, our algorithms found mm. another exploit in 15-year-old girls that if we show them that's this, they'll go do that. And that's a all. terrible way to use that word. But that's, that's, that's yeah, the that shift. Is, no, you I know? agree. And now, yeah, but now, but businesses and everybody, it's like, oh my God, they're going to change. The 
just the, our awareness of the fact that our, the algorithm's changing. It's like people talking about, you know, the prison guard at Auschwitz. Oh, yes. he's taking his break at a different this moment. This is exactly <laughs> how I think about it. Yeah, it's like, oh man, like they started serving sausages to the, the guards. I, I think know, it's completely really like, surreal to watch these like, I mean, lit TV presenters. I mean, these are, you know, whatever, talking about this thing. I mean, it was just like mind blowing to me. And I'm like, we're having a national conversation about the the algorithm, capital A. It's like so bizarre. Yeah. You know? And we're not allowed to tune them, you know? Zook is allowed to tune the algorithm. Zook yeah. says we're going to change the algorithm. But they don't know what's in these things. I mean, well, the, yeah. the, 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 that, that term is also so loaded, right? It's yeah. become this kind of symbol of something, this this kind of like governing rationale of these platforms. I mean, there is literally, I mean, if or there isn't like just one string of code that governs these things, fine. If anyone even knows what's in one of these things, which they don't because they've just been like adding and adding and adding and adding yeah. in the case of Google for, I don't know, 25, 30 years to this thing that they don't know what's in it. That's why searching fucking sucks ass now. But like, you know, it's taken on this like mythical quality. Well, Where just, it's like now it's we kind of like defer like we now have raised it up to this deity thing even if it doesn't exist it's like this is just like shit that no one even understands that they're using to kind of like they're tacking on stuff as they go making it up as they go along as you know finding these new exploits add you know add here add there never subtracting just adding on but we are elevating it to this thing this mythical thing this algorithm like we say how does tiktok know how do they know it's uh -huh. so good the algorithm always it's like we're imbuing it with this power at the same time yeah they're they're the closest thing if you want to use an occult frame Absolutely. they're the closest thing to demons yes you know we're going to take this we're going to train this thing to extract value from human beings to learn how to do it better and to share its results with all the mm. other ones. And we're going to launch it up there and then not know how it even works. You yeah. Know, and that's and they're pure gonna demon, demonology. be completely and totally like intertwined, like demand it from the, de like they're going to be so enmeshed in this thing that they want more and more and more. Like that's like something that we kind of were talking about the other day. It's like a lot of times when you see the way that people are kind of, trying to push back on some of these platforms, it's ironically, kind of paradoxically, to maximize more <laughs> of the, like, platform Like, I want to spend, it's, 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 it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, they're being so unfair by banning me. It's like, brother, every ban from a platform is a little sweet gift from God. <laughs> it's a blessing in disguise. It is a blessing. Right. Or just, like, you need to make it so that, like, actually, you know... We extend how much people are seeing these things or things that, you know what I mean? It's like very, it's interesting. It's funny the though, the, the tech bros, the tech bros in the, in the book, the, some of the, the richest ones, the only thing they're scared of is AI. Yes. They really That's are. That's something I want to touch on. Because these guys have been, well, first they spent their whole lives going meta on everything and AIs are the one thing that can go meta on them. Yeah. But I was at one of these, uh, uh, you know, friends of one of the tech, tech guys, uh, uh, conferences and this guy was telling me be really careful what you post about so about ai on your social media and in your medium column i think you're getting a little it's like why because well when they take over 
they're going to see what you oh, wrote. Man. Is the AI in the room with you now? Yeah, and I'm <laughs> well, like, I, wait, how I'm like, take so that seriously? Like, yeah, and I'm like, dude, if the AIs are that smart, they're going to know you're just holding back how you feel. Yeah, and yeah, the stuff yeah, that you're yeah, posting yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Oh fuck! <laughs> well, I mean, that that does bring us to AI. It's like you know that is that is sort of the one thing that you hear like Musk talks about it, or I feel like he used to more. But you know, talk about like you know we need to we need to prevent AI, prevent AI from taking over all these kind of things. If all he's got is his dancing, you know, vaporware. I think we're okay. Exactly. Yeah. Well, my whole thing is any kind of robot of any kind, autonomous or not, that is my mortal enemy, and I mean <laughs> that like gun wise, but. With with AI, I said it on the record. Yeah, on the uh, I will. They know. They heard. I can defeat you. I've spent (laughs) twenty years taking pot shots at every stray dog I've seen around in order to fight those robot dogs. He's he's destroyed thousands of Roombas with your Krav Maga, Krav Maga robot guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, but but how seriously do you take AI as as even as a a future or as a threat? Not, I take AI seriously, not in that AI will be this thinking, strong thing. Yeah, like from the sci-fi books. Right, but that the damage that really simple, stupid AIs can do to people is pretty incredible. What kind, like what kind of damage can they do? Well, it's as simple as the, the, the kid who's addicted to Instagram and cutting herself and vomiting and because an algorithm was clever enough to addict her to its, mm. uh, yeah, to its stream. You know, it's not, it's not that, it's not that hard. You know, so no, I'm not thinking that the AI, you know, is going to then just control civilization. Yeah, and and all. It's just if we are telling really simple AIs do whatever is necessary to extract attention and money out of people, and share your results yeah. with each other, you're going to get a. And and those things evolve faster than we do. I mean, there's right. this one guy near Al. I don't know if you know yeah, him. He I wrote this he awful book called uh, uh, Hooked, which is about basically he took BJ Fogg's ideas from Stanford and put them in an easy. How do you addict people to yeah. your to your technology? And two or three years later, he writes this other book after the Social Dilemma comes out. Basically, I forgot what it's called, but like Unhooked. How to fight against the companies yeah. that are trying to hook you to their social media. And it's like, this is an arms dealer. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Going yeah. to both sides. Of so death. it's the weaponization of AI that's really the problem. It's not here to figure out what I want. It's here to help figure out how to get from me what they want. Well, I think there's also this vision, right? You see it from, you know, we have a, a particular uh image of what this is going to look like as the kind of like sci-fi fear of like a robot that looks just like Brace then becoming Brace. I will say, like the example earlier, you see a robot that looks like me or if you even suspect I'm a robot, dispatch me immediately using crop and Well, it's interesting though, you know, philosophically, one of the only things we have over robots would be the faith that there's something more. Yeah. You know, and that's where even Neil Postman went back to this. Like the one weapon we have against technology is, or the technopoly is religion, is spirit, yeah. is soul. And that's what the scientists can't grok. Yeah. That there's got to be some, there's something else. There's awe, there's human experience. There's, there. Uh, well, where do you think that like drive for pure scientism comes from? Like, I feel like I just do not, I like, I do not understand people like this like I feel bad but I have like a, a really hard time yeah 
like connecting and like getting in the like getting in their shoes a little bit, you I'm know, like understanding. They were disillusioned as children by somebody who didn't respect the evidence. Mm. You know, and then I think they become evidentiary. But, but I see it more and more and more and more on young people too, right? And it's, you know, as more and more jobs like transition into like STEM, you know, yeah. disciplines, like, I don't know. It's just, it seems like you see more and more and more and more of that worldview than anything else. And yeah. not just from tech billionaires, not from Peter Thiel, not from these guys, but like, Literally yeah. from the people that we used to be neighbors with it in started, San Francisco. Started in the 60s and 70s when yeah. Russia launched Sputnik. America went crazy. And yeah, we thought that did. Russia was going to put a sickle on the moon. That's when we started to teach calculus in high school. And we changed the whole curriculum. We reduced the humanities and liberal arts. Who really cares if they know philosophy and how to read? Mm -hmm. And we did science and math and engineering. And then that dovetailed so well with corporatism and, and efficiency and the you know, growth of markets. And now with the computer age, with STEM, you know, there's little steam on top of it, which is like use Adobe Photoshop or something. You yeah, know, you put yeah, the yeah, art yeah. in there. But it's just a nod to, you know, it's to not be whatever, accused of white supremacy or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put an A in there. It's good. It's all good. But it's not. It's not. And now even people in my fields, like in media, media studies, which yeah. we both agree is recognizing that Botox kills communication yes. between people. Sure, um, but it can be helpful for some. Yeah, but media, yeah, it can be. Oh, no, it's fine. But but understanding it, that that, that almost spiritual literary analysis, McLuhan-esque thing, yeah. is now media studies wants to be a social science. Everyone wants to be, you know, and and or you 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 do um, the social science. digital humanities. We need to, right? yeah. So it's not humanities. It's like, let's use a computer to count the number of thous in Hamlet versus the number of thous in Macbeth yeah. in order to judge something. It's like, wait a minute, that's that's not how to read Shakespeare, I promise. You know, but that's the only way to like get the grant. We proved, yeah. we proved, everyone wants proof that it's there, we found it. You know, and and the, the, the intangibles are what make this dimension worth inhabiting. That weird space, that yeah. squishy stuff that they've been scared of since Francis Bacon and empirical science, which, which he said, you know, the great quote is, you know, empirical science will let us take nature by the forelock hold her down and submit her to our will. You know, if that's what science is for, you know, they've done pretty they've done a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you also you talked about how the, the sort of the demonic algorithm. And I think that there it really, you know, there really is something there because I I for me at least and not to get too woo woo or whatever, but like I it does feel demonic, especially if you spend a long time sucked into one of these things, right? Like you're you're touching something that's 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 evil in a encompassing way. Yeah. And and you know you, you talk about team team human and in this like it is almost like a uh, a a and again not to be too woo woo but it's you like you love a, to be a little woo woo. I love to be it's a little good. woo woo but I'm I, I you know I'm not very you know I, I went to woo -woo I only went to city college for like 3 months so <laughs> forgive me. Um but you know it does seem like literally a battle between or a struggle rather between like God and the devil, in a way, right? Because, like, you know, if if, if God lives in, in in everybody, or you know, however you want to put it, right? It, it sucking the the soul out, the thing that has that connection to God. Uh, and again, I'm being kind of metaphorical here, but you know, sucking that out and 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 suppressing that 
in replacing it with this like algorithmic lifestyle, let's say, or this algorithm based mm. lifestyle, um, does seem to me to be like a, a, a victory of the occult. Yeah. And that is, I mean, that's the beauty of what you do here. If we can end with that, that is true. The true Anon is that the QAnon literalizes it as, oh, in that injection, Bill Gates has put a nanoprobe that's going to suck my soul out. And it's like, you're almost right. Except yeah. you don't need the injection. He's sucking your soul out anyway yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just your walk, the phone you're walking around with is tracking you. They don't need the nanobots in your blood. So there's like so close, but that's, that's, that's why I have such empathy for the conspiracy theorists because they get it. They just don't, they're just using a, a metaphor to understand what's happening to them, but it is happening to them. Well, with uh, him proving that QAnon is in fact true. Well, <laughs> that QAnon is a mission from God. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll put that. Um, thank you, Douglas, for joining us. Thank you so much. And thank you, you to come back on. Thank you for what you do. You sustain me and mm. many others. You really do. You sustain us and it, through these strange times. And it was, it was, it's incredible of you to just be like, you guys can have the royalties for that too. That was super for the book. I mean, that was just. <laughs> yeah, let's see them. Let's see them. I've never seen a freaking check. But, um, yeah. but, and also, that's really experimental for you to have a baby do the audiobook, which is an idea that I got earlier that they should have what? babies do. Yeah, like, you know how yeah. audiobooks are very but popular now? Pre verbal. Yeah, I had a uh, pre verbal baby. Not, maybe not yeah. pre verbal, but like <laughs> beginning of verbal or very beginning of a guide Brace, to learn to like? read. <laughs> In the beginning, there was. When was the last time you saw a baby who talk? just learned how to talk? I hang out with babies all the time, dude. I buy CBD from them. <laughs> Douglas, thank you so much for joining thank us. You. Thank you. My little kitty cat pussy, you wanted to rock. You wanted to rock with a the pompadour set. Now you can have him. My name is Psycho Billy. <laughs> oh my god! Sweet young thing. Oh. <laughs> Sweet young thing. I can't get it out. I don't like that. I don't like it either. Let's stop like that. Let's put him in a box. I think you just have to be you, which is already Psycho Billy enough. I'm. Becoming a skinhead. <laughs> That's a bad idea. But I'm Liz. My name is Brace. Or oh, no, I gotta oh, I gotta put him down. I gotta put him down. I'm not like this anymore. Oh, oh man, they should desegregate this bar. No, I'm not like it. And joining us is uh, anti-racist Elvis. <laughs> Uh, who is, of course, controlled in his career, in his personal life, in his sexual life, and in his spiritual life by our producer, Young Chomsky, a.k.a. The Colonel. <laughs> Remember? actually, Wait, I that was a bit, right? So this was something, a little peek behind the curtain here. Remember when we thought about doing The Colonel as a guy? That was just like a, no, first of all, let's clear the record here. Uh, you thought about doing the colonel as a guy, and I was like, I don't think that that's a bit that works. Yeah, and you're like, no, it'll just be this guy who's always in the room that we say is the colonel. I my thinking behind <laughs> this was that if like every six or seven episodes or so we make a like quick 
and very like kind of um, yeah, just like a brief reference to a a figure named the Colonel who has some uh, really amorphous or just like unexplained connection to the podcast, but an important one. Mm. If we just drop that in every so often, uh, that it would. Actually, I don't really know my thinking behind that. Yeah, I don't either. Although I, you know, it would expand the universe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I would build upon You're, the lore. Oh, my God. No, that's too dorky. We can't do that. Okay. No world building here. Wow. Cool. Marcos is going to be super <laughs> excited to hear about that. Well, but Marcos is Marcos real. is real, yeah. yeah. And Marcos right now, by the way, you need to get the fuck out of Cyprus immediately. <laughs> and you know what? <sighs> we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.